Welcome to LifeBridge Online. Whenever it is you're watching this, we are grateful that you are tuning in once again and allowing us to be part of your life, uh, allowing us to minister to you. I have a couple of announcements that I want to share with our online audience just so that you can be up to date as our in-person audience uh, will also receive these announcements. Prayer requests. Uh, we take prayer seriously around here. It's one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that we do uh, on a week-to-week -week basis. We want to know about your prayer requests. And for our online audience, there's two ways that you can let us know about your, uh, your needs, the things that we can take before the Lord on your behalf. And you can let us know these through our app, uh, LifeBridge Christian Church. You go to the app store, you look for it, uh, make sure you get the correct LifeBridge Christian Church, or you can email our office. Just go to the website and you'll see there's a place for our email. You can let us know. We will update our prayer journals. We will update uh, our prayer list and what we send out, and we will have an army of people praying for whatever it is you have going on in your life. The second thing, if you are following along with us on our Core 52 reading plan, I need to let you know of some upcoming changes the next couple of weeks. Uh, so this message today that you are listening to is wrapping up week 12, which is titled The Messiah. So if you have the Core 52 book, you go to week 12, you will see that it is uh, The Messiah. Monday, March 22nd, so I'm not sure when you're listening to this, but Monday, March 22nd, will begin week 13, and that is titled Jesus Rejected. Then we're going to flip-flop weeks 14 and 15 uh, as we try to line this up with our Easter schedule, meaning that on Monday, March 29th, instead of reading week 14, you're going to read week 15 in preparation for Easter Sunday. And that uh, essay that week is titled Atonement. Then the following Monday, April 5th, we're going to go back to week 14, cover wisdom. Then we're going to get back on track with week 16. And the rest of the year, Lord willing, there will not be any other changes. And uh, we're going to just move in chronological order. So there you go. If you have any questions, feel free. Give me a call. Hey, let's, uh, let, let's pray. And then we're going to get into what God has for us today. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to just pause, to open up your word. God, I'm grateful that as I prepare messages, you speak directly to my life. And so, Lord, I pray that as I read your word, as we discuss things, Lord, it doesn't matter what we're doing, where we are doing it, you have the power and the ability to speak into our lives. And so, Father, I pray that that is true today. That as we take the time to listen to this, there will be some life change. There will be some drawing closer to you, becoming like your son that happens through the power found in your word. We love you, God. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. I've never really been known uh, for being a reader, but as I get Later on, uh, the older I get, the wiser I get, I do believe reading is becoming more and more of a thing. 
And right now, my favorite book that I am rereading is a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I highly recommend it. As you can deduct from the title, it's all about habits. Our days are full of habits that shape the outcome of our life. Like That's a pretty deep thought when you think about it. Our days, today, tomorrow, yesterday, two weeks ago, are full of habits that shape the outcome of life. Good habits and, you know, the bad habits. But here's a cool thing. We have the ability to change our habits. We, we can look at our habits day to day, hour to hour. We can see what we do and we can identify the bad ones and then we can replace those with good ones. So if your average day consists of some bad habits, the good news for you and I is that you have the ability to change. Your days can be filled with nothing but good, healthy, wholesome habits. But here's the foundation of developing healthy habits. It's found in making the right decision or making the right choice over and over and over and over again. What choices am I going to make? What decision am I going to make when it's time for me to do such? These choices build and they turn into habits for the most part. Patrick Ness is given credit for saying, we are the choices that we make. And, and outside of scripture uh, that we'll share today, there's, there's no truer statement that I'm going to make than that right there. We are the choices that we make. The routine choices that we make develop habits that determine in large part what our life is going to look like. Uh, you can look at my body and you can see me and you know that Michael has made a lot of choices that have to do with not pushing back from the dinner table. You, you, you can look at me and you could say, hey, here's somebody that when it came to do I get seconds and thirds, he chose seconds and thirds. The choices that I make this week can impact who I am next year. Have you ever thought about the fact that your choices reveal who you really are? We are the choices that we make. In Matthew 22, there's some dialogue between Jesus and his rivals, the Pharisees. Jesus puts them on the spot, wanting them to make a decision, wanting them to choose. He puts them on the spot. He hopes that they will make the right choice. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Matthew 22. We're going to pick it up in verse 42. Matthew 22, 42. Jesus asked the questions. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, he is the son of David. Jesus responded, then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, call the Messiah my Lord? For David said, the Lord said to my Lord, 
Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? No one could answer him. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Now, here's what's going on, okay? Just so you're up to speed with this. Prior to this dialogue that we just read, Jesus was asked a couple of questions from the Sadducees. That's another religious group. He answered the question in a way that silenced the Sadducees. So Jesus is interacting with the Sadducees. You got the Pharisees over here. They're, they're observing this dialogue that goes on. The Sadducees ask Jesus a question. Jesus answers the question in such a way that the Sadducees are like silent. They refuse to ask him any more questions. So then the Pharisees decided to jump in on this. They asked a question trying to trap Jesus with technicalities within the Mosaic law. Of course, Jesus is able to handle the test, and he answers the question. And after stumping them, Jesus fires back with some questions of, of his own. He asks the questions, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? Now, to their credit, the Pharisees knew their scriptures. They were able to speak from the prophecies of old to answer Jesus, and they answered him correctly. They just didn't answer him completely. And Jesus's reply to their answer demonstrated that the Messiah had to be more than simply a human son of David, because that was their answer. If the Messiah were simply an earthly human son of David, why did David ascribe deity to him? Because when you look at the language, when you look at Psalm 110, verse 1, you look at the words that David used in the Hebrew, he makes one of the lords that you read there, he makes it all about deity. Jesus quoted from this messianic psalm in which David refers to the Messiah as my Lord. And this translates in the Hebrew in a way that is only used with deity. It's only used with God. And so if David called this son Lord, as in someone with divine traits, he certainly must be more than a human son. And here's what's going on. The theological discussion was too much for the Pharisees who were not ready to acknowledge the deity of Jesus. And so Jesus is there. They answer the question. The Pharisees answer the question. They answer it correctly. They just don't answer it completely. Jesus then puts them on the spot, and he's wanting them to say that the Messiah is the Son of Man, is Jesus. And so Jesus made this sound like just another theological question. 
When in reality, what he is doing with the Pharisees in this moment, he's, he's putting it on them and he's asking them the most important question they would ever face. Who do you say the Messiah is? And these religious leaders had a choice to make in this moment. They were trapped. How do we answer Jesus? Do we acknowledge publicly that this man, Jesus, is the Messiah? Or do we just not answer the question at all? In verse 46, says that they could not answer him. It's, it's not that they were incapable of answering this question because they didn't know the answer. They just could not bring themselves to answering the question. And so they dared not ask Jesus any more questions. Not because they had believed the truth, but because they were afraid to face the truth. They had a choice. They had a choice to publicly proclaim who Jesus really is. Is he the Messiah? And they opted not to answer. They chose poorly. This is not the only time that Jesus put people on the spot about who he is. Uh, there's another time Jesus asked his followers the same question, worded just a little bit different. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, the disciples replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, verse 17, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Verse 20, then he sternly warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So here's the tricky thing about this question that Jesus is, is asking the disciples. It's not enough for them, and it's certainly not enough for you and I, to answer this question with words only. As a matter of fact, time and time again throughout Scripture, uh, the verbal acknowledgement alone isn't enough. And, and, and I get the Roman passages that speak about calling on the name of the Lord and we'll be saved. Uh, I, I understand all of those things, but when it comes to uh, admitting and proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, our words alone are not enough. As a matter of fact, James chapter 2 tells us uh, that words alone are not enough. 
Verbal acknowledgement, he writes in chapter 2, does not answer the question the way it needs to be answered. Actions must follow. Like, like the, If we're going to answer the question, who is Jesus? If Peter is going to truly answer the question, but who do you say that I am? Actions must follow the words that we say. Follow me back to Matthew 16. Follow me as we read the rest of this conversation. Verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Verse 27, For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So here's the cool thing about what we've read today. The first story with the Pharisees, the second story with Peter and the and the rest of the disciples. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record these stories that we are sharing in the same exact order with the same exact details. In this conversation, where Jesus asked the question, but who do you say I am? Peter correctly answers, you're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You are the Christ. Jesus commends Peter because the answer that Peter gave didn't come from human knowledge. It was revealed to Peter through God. And pay attention, if you will, to what the rest of the conversation is about. Right after that, Jesus acknowledges and he addresses Peter. And, and he tells him that you are Peter. You're not, no longer Simon. You are now Peter, which means your name means rock. And I will build my church on you and the powers of hell will not overcome my church. And we can get into that. I love that verse. I love this scene. That, 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 that Jesus, knowing that he has to go back to Jerusalem, knowing that the cross is days away, knowing that his sacrifice for all of humanity is days away, he's planting the seed with Peter that his church, the church that he builds, is about to be launched and he's going to use Peter to do it. I love this moment. But then 
the conversation continues. Maybe, maybe it's later on that day. Maybe it's only a few minutes. We're not 100% sure, but we know that it's the next thing that happened. Peter gets reprimanded because now he's responding to Jesus from a humanly point of view. Jesus is like, I got to go. I got to be turned over to the religious leaders and I'm going to die on a cross and I'm going to be raised again in three days. And Peter jumps in. He's like, uh-uh, not on my watch. It's not happening. And of course, Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. You're a trap to me. And within a matter of moments, Peter goes from being praised well done, Peter. You're listening to the Father, to being admonished. Then Jesus wraps up the conversation by telling his followers that they must give up, they must sacrifice their way of living. They must give up their understanding of what is important. They must give up what we, what they place value in. And they are to pick up their cross and they're to follow him. And that certainly had a lot more weight to those disciples hearing this come out of Jesus' mouth. To take up the cross for you and I means that we must choose to identify with Christ. We must choose to identify with Christ in his rejection, in his shame, in his suffering, and even in his death. Picking up your cross, as Jesus says, is a choice that you and I have to make. It's a choice that requires action. Reread verse 27 with me again. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. In this dialogue that is flowing, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record it. The conversations that have to do with who do the people say I am, you are the Messiah wraps up with us being judged not on the verbal answers that we give to the question, but by our actions. Your actions are what you will be judged by. This is the reason why this question, who is Jesus, is the single most important question for you and I to answer. Church, here's the thing. You have a daily choice in how you answer the question, who is the Messiah? We answer this day to day with our faithfulness to our spouse, with our patience to our spouse, with our gentleness in our marriage. We answer this with how we treat our coworker. We answer this when we are patient in the checkout line or in traffic. We answer this when we choose to love others, even though it doesn't make sense, instead of rejecting them. 
Church, we are the choices that we make. And every single day, you have the same opportunity the Pharisees did. Who do you say the Messiah is today? Let your actions today answer that question for others. See ya.